everyone. What is up? My name is Tony McGeehy, and you're listening to Emerging Entrepreneurs, the podcast made by an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Welcome back to episode 18. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome home. You guys are awesome, and thank you so much for joining me. Scott, the note guy Carson, is the founder and CEO of WeCloseNotes.com, a Texas-based real estate investment company that focuses on buying pools of distressed assets on residential and commercial properties and creating win-win solutions for their clients. In this episode, Scott talks about how he bounced around different jobs before getting involved in real estate, how his first experience in real estate was a complete disaster, and what exactly he focuses on in the real estate industry with his business. Scott also talks about his three-year journey traveling the country and talking to various real estate investors, as well as how you can get started in the real estate industry and common misconceptions about investing in real estate. This episode includes this and so much more, so be sure to listen all the way to the end. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends. Also, please go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerging Entrepreneurs Podcast. Now, without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, everyone, welcome back to Emerging Entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of being here with Scott, the Note Guy Carson, founder and CEO of WeCloseNotes.com, a Texas-based real estate investment company that focuses on buying pools of distressed assets on residential and commercial properties and creating win-win solutions for their clients. He's been doing this for over a decade and teaches others to do the same as him. He also hosts his own podcast called The Note Closer Show. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Really glad to have you on the show. Hey, Tony, I'm honored to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Great introduction. You did a good job. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Lot, lot to say there, definitely. Um, so, so just to start, Scott, let's go ahead, uh, talk a little bit about you, where you grew up, how you grew up, where you went to school and everything, um, basically how you got to, to where you are now. So I uh, grew up in South Texas, a little small town outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. A uh, little, you know, 3,500 people when we moved there when I was a young kid. Grew up there. Uh, my dad owned the local hardware store. So he was an entrepreneur, kind of grew up that in my blood. By the time I was in the fourth grade, I was running the register, cutting pipe, cutting keys, waiting on you know, people at the hardware store and helping them solve issues. And, uh, you know, I was successful enough to, and smart enough to get an academic and an athletic scholarship. So I played a couple of years of college football and thought I was going to be the next uh, Dan Patrick, you know, in sports center. Um, but I uh, realized it's not where I wanted to go. Uh, after my second season, my knees were pretty much shot. So I was like, uh, let's focus on one of the things. So that's when I went into the business side of things. And uh, ended up going to Texas State University. It was Southwest Texas State in San Marcos, which is just south of Austin, Texas. And had a business degree in, in management and marketing. And got out of college and, and had different job offers at the time. And went to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for their entrepreneurial program, which yeah. only lasted 90 days for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely a tough one. Those management yeah. training programs. Well, it is, especially when you're washing cars in 110 degree heat here in Austin, yeah, Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then got on, I, you know, I always had the entrepreneurial blog, but I took a job at Verizon Wireless and I took that as a sales job and did really well with it. Um, was in one of the top sales uh, agents for Verizon Wireless in the country. It's one of the number ones in all of Texas. Did that well. 
but I always had the finance bug still with me because I like numbers, love math. And so I got my securities license, mm-hmm. my loan officer's license. And I went to work for a, a division of Citigroup here in Austin and started doing like financial advising for people after working in the, in the cell phone industry for a couple of years. Did well with that, but they ended up closing down the location here. And so I, for like two years, I struggled for a little while. Um, my wife and I bought a couple of investment properties when I was doing well at Verizon and the market went south here. Um, Dell Computers, which is near where we were owning these, these properties, laid off a lot of people. So there, our renter base went down and we really struggled. I was a deadbeat borrower basically back years ago yeah. and did whatever I could, waiting tables, delivering for uh, FedEx home office, you know, you know uh, FedEx home delivery, waiting tables at Chili's, doing whatever I could to survive for a little while while trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And fortunate enough, I got back into the finance game and got hired on at uh, Chase Bank and did well with that for a while. And my buddy uh, who I'd worked with in the, in the finance industry before came to me and started a mortgage company. Mm-hmm. And it was working up with a couple of real estate entrepreneurs who were traveling the country speaking on creative financing or owner financing or, or how to fix them, you know, flip homes and things like that. And I realized that's what I really wanted to do. And so I went to work with them. And I remember giving them my notice at Chase on July 5th, 2004. And for four years, I was fortunate enough to, you know, kind of run a mortgage company with my buddy. And we, I worked with a couple of these entrepreneurs that really it was like a four-year apprenticeship to learn creative real estate investing you know not the the hg flip hg tv flip this house kind of thing but but the real nuts and bolts and how to really do it and so i did that and then in 2008 when the market went south like it did i stopped Mm -hmm. i sold off my interest in the mortgage company and just went into real estate full-time as an entrepreneur and you know did different things for about a year and a half two years and then really focused in 2010 on the distressed note game you know buying uh defaulted mortgages from banks and at that time, it was a very, very wild west. It, it really is a, a shadow market because really what I did, I do now didn't really exist 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so we had to really use marketing and, and creative ways to really find clients, find deals, and, and really have built a name for ourselves over the last 10 years. And now uh, we're pretty excited. Uh, we work with a lot of other entrepreneurs across the country, you know, real estate investors who want to get into the debt game and uh, the biggest thrill I get is helping people either leave their job or start making money on the part-time and the side hustle with real estate. But it's also, we've got a, a really nice part of what we do because we help a lot of borrowers keep a lot of people in their houses by working on modifications and, and working to create win-win solutions. And as I like to say, we're working very hard to make America great again, one mortgage at a time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about, especially for, for someone like me who isn't too familiar with real estate, yep. um, I kind of know about, you know, flicks and flip, wholesaling, landlording, stuff like that. So how is what you do different compared to, to you know, those conventional ways of real estate investing? So that's a great question. And I always make the joke that everybody is in the note game, the paper game. So if you've got like a, a car loan, student loans, um, a, house, a mortgage, credit card debt, you're paying on a note. You're just paying. You're just on the wrong side of the cash flow. Yeah. Okay. So whereas you're paying somebody out, you're paying a bank at the very end. Even when if you're renting, you're paying the homeowner or the property owner who's paying a bank for the most part. Okay. So what we do is when we buy this debt, we buy like say the borrower owes 120 grand. Their house may be only be worth like 100. We'll buy the debt from the bank at like 50 cents of what's owed. So we may pick it up somewhere between 50 and 60 grand. Now the borrower still owes the full amount, but where we make our profits at 
is reaching out to the borrowers who aren't paying for a variety of reasons. Whether they went through a divorce or got sick or got laid off, trying to create a, a, a win-win solution, trying to either reinstate or modify, or if they won't and can't do that, we'll work out on a nice peaceful way for them to leave the property. And then we'll take the property back and then turn around and sell the property at, a, at 90, 95 when we're into it for like 40 or 50. That makes yeah. sense a little bit more so. Yeah, it makes a little more sense now. Definitely. Yeah. So so I know you talked about you getting into the the real estate business with your friend at the beginning, but how did that kind of come about? Was it really just an opportunity that that came into your lap or or what made you want to get into the real estate market? Well, it actually was my originally my ex-wife. She liked HG she like flipped this house and all that good stuff. I think everybody likes that aspect of things. Now, yeah. Growing up in the hardware store as a young boy, I knew I could fix just about anything because I, you know, from plumbing to the roof, from the foundation all the way to the ceiling, I could, I've done that kind of work during the summers. Yep. And, you know, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and everybody wants to be in real estate. They want to be the, uh, you know, they want to be the landlord, you know, they want to, it's the sexy side of, of yeah. investing, I guess you could say. And those shows play up all the good points, but they don't really talk about many of the bad points. Yeah, exactly. And so... We got into it thinking we would do that, buy some houses around here, be landlords and bring in some income. Um, I'd be able to, you know, one of us would be able to retire. We would do something like that for long-term wealth growth. Because that's where a, a huge majority of the millionaires in America are is because they've got a big chunk of it in real estate. Yep. And unfortunately, I just didn't take any education. I thought I knew everything. Uh, we overpaid for property. Mm-hmm. We didn't do the right thing, didn't price it right, didn't finance it right, didn't market for deals right, and we fell flat on our face. Big kick in the huevos, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It hurt. it hurt really bad. And we all have dreams, and when you, your dreams kick you in the teeth, it's not the easiest thing to go back to. And so I know a lot of people out there trying to do something entrepreneur-wise or have a business idea. And sometimes when life is treated bad, sometimes you just have to put that thing down for a little while, rest you know, get a job that pays the bills or do something and then pick it back up when you get a little bit more refreshed or get a little bit more of your, you know, your, your feet back underneath you yeah. and proceed forward. So, you know, that's what I did by going back into the banking industry. You know, I had a job, I was doing good at it. I was making six figures, but when my buddy came to me with this opportunity, I took the time to listen to him and, and see and talk with him. And I went to lunch with him and the other people that I learned from for four years and realized this is an opportunity. And then went home and talked with my, you know, wife at the time. And she said, Hey, this is what you want to chase. You're good at what you do in the banking. It'll always be there if you need to come back to it. So let's, let's do it. Um, you know, you, you'll find a way to make it work. And I sure enough, I did. So like in 2010, when I was doing notes full time here, I, I'd gone through a divorce. Um, I'd sold my houses off here in Austin. I got rid of them. I literally jumped in my truck and for three years, just me and my dog, I got divorced. Me and the dog drove around the country nonstop speaking and talking to real estate investors, wow. and bankers. And so we, for three, what I thought would be like a 26 week trip as I was planning to hit all the major league baseball parks across the country. Mm-hmm. It morphed into something much bigger that just absolutely you know, blossomed our business up to where it's at today. That's awesome. Yeah. So with the, with the financial crash back in 2008, I just, the only thing I remember from that, I was so young. So, you know, I didn't have any skin in the game during that, but I just remember gas prices being ridiculous. That's the, that's the only thing I remember about it. And now when I think about it, I'm like, that's why they were so hot. It was like, everything was just crazy. And I remember it, remember it just being a tough time for my family, but I really didn't know much of what was going on. But anyway, what I was going to ask, um, for, for your business during that time, 
did you find it uh, a struggle or did you already know enough in, in the real estate business where you were able to capitalize still on, on a comedy that was, you know, um, in a depression? So I knew enough at that point. I was already buying assets. I, my biggest regret is I didn't buy more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, because I was picking up assets like pennies on the dollars of what was owed. Yeah. You know, and I, I bought quite a bit. I, I did really well for myself. Um, I saw some of those banks that are still in business. I still buy from today. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see a repeat of that in the next couple of years. So it means for yeah. an opportunity to go exactly. back and it's kind of like the quantum leap. I can go back in time and write what once went wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. There's, there's opportunity and there's opportunity in good markets or opportunity in down markets. You just have to be uh, flexible, be willing to pivot. Uh, what I see it happen a lot of time with real estate investors or real estate professionals is they, they don't pivot. They keep thinking that it's going to be the same as it was and you have to be flexible. Especially yep. if you're a mortgage you know, loan officer or realtor or appraiser or any aspect of that stuff, the market's changing. You know, when it's going up or it turns and goes down, you have to be prepared to make that change. Otherwise, you're going to be left out in the cold. And we see that every time that there's a market change like that, you know, we have like, I think like 11,000 realtors here in Austin, Texas. Well, that number will drop to like 7,000. You know, there's a lot of people just get out of the game because they don't know how to market. They just rely on good times and anybody can make money in a good time. The real yeah. experts are those that make money in a down economy. Exactly. So talk a little bit. I know that you, um, you know, you host seminars, you, you host like four day workshops and things like that. You said that you went around the country for, for quite a while and, and spoke to different real estate investors and everything like that. So talk a, a little bit about the teaching side of your business and how you got started in that and, and kind of what that looks like. Great question. Um, so what I, I did when I started is I didn't have a lot of capital. I didn't have a lot of investors. I didn't have a lot of money because it was I'd sold some houses off and took a big loss on them. Yeah. So when I started getting these deals in, I just started marketing the types of deals I did. Hey, here's a deal I'm working on. Anybody interested? Here's a deal. And people would start funding those deals. But what happened is other investors or other real estate entrepreneurs were starting to teach workshops, bigger conferences. And one of my friends reached out to me and said, hey, this guy or this, this these two people are looking for to have somebody come and speak on what exactly you're doing. And so I reached out to him. They flew me out to an event in LA in front of like 2000 people. Wow. I just, yeah, I just talked about what I did at the end of the, the back of the room. I got bombarded. Wow. People wanted to know more. And they're like, Hey, do you have a class? I'm like, uh, no, but yes, I do now. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. I just pulled it out and said, what do you charge? I'm like, uh, we're working on the price. So I was like two fifty. Yeah, I, I, exactly. like, I charge a whole lot more, but anyway, I just did it and I didn't have like, a curriculum. I didn't have a manual. I didn't know what I said, but people were in interested in it. So I started a class and we had 18 people sign up for the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. You know, yeah. you know, we did it in a little conference room and mm -hmm. it's blossomed up there where we're doing workshops, you know, over the couple of years that we were doing workshops with two, 300 people in them. And now we do wow. them all online. Yeah. Um, virtually now we have a thousand people. Wow. that show up to them from all across the country and, you know, eight different uh, countries across the world too. So I think the biggest thing that has helped us with that is, is evolving as people go more online and people don't have as much money to travel and it gets more expensive to fly and stay in hotels and eat crappy hotel food. Yeah. Um, we've really revolutionized kind of, I guess you could say the, the real estate seminar business by doing everything online and evergreen yeah. through zoom or through what, you know, live streams and, and really helping people, get the, the knowledge they need without having a huge upfront cost. So. Gotcha. So with your, with your podcast, uh, the note closer show, 
what do you focus on talking about and that and kind of how is how is that show uh geared towards your target audience and and how does that help them so funny thing is i was very dead set against doing a podcast for a while yeah uh, i had a couple of our students start a podcast and did really well i was like oh they're awesome that's great wasn't really worried about it i'd always been doing videos i've been doing webinars and videos since 2011 but when I decided we we're going to do a podcast. I said, okay, let's give it a little while first and foremost. So we started doing nine months of live, Facebook lives just to talk with our audience. And that's how we looked at it initially was like, let's, it's a way to touch base with our tribe. Cause in the note space of what we do, it's a smaller niche yeah. market, where maybe 5,000, 10,000 true note investors across the country versus like a half million, you know, fixing flipper, flippers or rent you know, landlords or yeah, exactly. REO. You know what I mean? Yep. So we did it. We had success for nine months. Uh, doing Facebook lives. We decided to launch the podcast and we focus on the niche every day. I mean, we do this basically almost every Monday through Friday, we do an episode gotcha. and crank them out and it's focused on some sort of aspect of the note industry. You know, half the time we bring on experts in the space, students, vendors, you know, other educators, and we interview them. We talk with them. The other half is designed towards you diving into some niche nugget. Uh, or some facet of the note industry because there's a lot of moving parts to what we do. So we may talk about like doing due diligence or um, checking taxes or a specific exit strategy and and really dive into that aspect of things. So there's always plenty of information to talk about. And when we run out of information, we bring on a student or another investor who's close some deals. And we spend some time talking about case studies. So it's totally focused on our niche. But instead of going wider, which we didn't really have a wider, we went really deep with our podcast of going that deep niche route it's yeah. paid off. I mean, we are uh, looking at the numbers today. Um, we hit right at 150,000 downloads in our first year. Wow. Um, we've been doing it now for like four. We started August of 2017. So we've been doing okay. just over 14 months. But we're, you know, it's, it's blossomed. We've got sponsors. Um, it's adding a lot. A lot of people are being attracted to it. Yeah. And, and signing up for workshops and, and reaching out to us to speak or to have us come to an event and, and, and speak on on notes. With the market being where it's at, a lot of people are looking for real estate deals and people are going uh, to podcasts because it's, it's such a great free way yeah. to get a lot of information. And since we're really one of only like two or three little podcasts that focus on the notice space, it's it's driving a lot of uh, traffic to us. And it's it's totally revolutionized my business a little bit. I've, I'm looking at this next year of tweaking everything I do because the podcast has now become one of our main focal points of marketing on a yeah. weekly and monthly basis. I bet. So I know that you you just talked about it a little bit there, and I know you've mentioned it a little bit before. How big uh, do, does marketing play a part in in your business, and and how do you leverage marketing and social media to uh, to reach your clients? That's uh, I'm so so glad you asked it. Marketing is the number one thing that separates the successful from those that don't do anything out there. Anybody that's listening out here, the more time that you spend on marketing the better off you're going to be. And most companies, when they start having a downturn, they cut the marketing budget, which is literally slicing their throat when they should be increasing the marketing budget. But we've never lived in a time where it was so easy to market. I mean, you look at the social media platforms of Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and and Facebook. And God knows in the next couple of years, there's going to be something else that springs up that we don't even know about. You know, Um, if you can spend time learning how to market online and how to target your ideal client or your audience through the the, the channels or through digital marketing, you can write your future. You don't have to work for a job. You can be a solopreneur or own your own business and do it from wherever you want to. And so 
that's the important thing. There is a, uh, a thing that we like to teach called the marketing octagon Yeah. in our line of work where we take one thing, like one video or one picture of a property or one case study, and we repurpose it across seven or eight different platforms over over the week. And it really, yeah. it helps us hit different people across different platforms. Cause, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, that's so important. Marketing is the key if you're going to raise capital or finding deals. And honestly, it really comes down to just doing a couple of things over and over and over again. Um, consistency is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. You have to do it because 80% of sales are made after the fifth contact. And yeah. so you have to look at what you're doing. Email still is one of the best ROIs, you know, 4,400% return on every dollar spent. Wow. You've, you've got to realize that most of the time, especially in my neck of the woods, only we only have about a 20% open rate in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Right? So you've got to hit them four or five times, you know, once a week at least to get them to start taking notice of what you're doing and start reaching out to you. I mean, we have, we reach out to bank asset managers on a regular basis via email. And finally, after like six months, like, okay, I got something. Quit stalking me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it just, it just pays off too many times. People will run a play or run a marketing thing once. And if it doesn't yield exactly what they're looking for, they give up on it. I'm like, well, you just didn't run it long enough. You know, yeah, exactly. you've got to have like a 90 to 120 day game plan. We've ready to be any type of social media marketing to really start seeing the clicks and the opt-in rates and things like that. But marketing, that's what's so great about our podcast is it's our first thing that I do every day we walk in the office. What are we doing in the market today? Let's do a podcast. Now that podcast becomes a, you know, on iTunes, it becomes a video on YouTube. Yep. We turn it into a blog on our website. It also then goes on to LinkedIn or Instagram and across the board. So yep. one piece of comp- con- content we repurpose eight or nine times relatively easily. So we're not having to do eight different things. Yeah, exactly. One thing and it makes it rain across the board. So. Yeah. Yeah, I help out. Uh, I help out a mentor of mine. He started his podcast just a little bit ago, and so we we record that, and then we'll take that. We'll post a blog on LinkedIn and on the website that we're about to launch, and we'll post on Facebook and Instagram and and all that. So repurposing content is is definitely the the biggest thing I would say, and consistency for sure. So you definitely and knowing where your audience is. Like, yeah, Instagram is our least effective aspect of it because my the ideal client. Is like thirty-five to sixty-five. Yeah, Facebook They're is not better really, for you, I bet. So I'm sorry, what was that? I said Facebook is probably better for you. LinkedIn is the best, actually. Really? Facebook's okay. I mean, we use Facebook every day because usually we, we Facebook live or, or live stream our, our podcast episodes, yeah. so we get a lot of options. Like we've had like ninety thousand views on our Facebook videos for the podcast since we started just over a year ago. Yeah, and that's great. But the best opt-in actually listening to or the people digest the information has come from the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and all those, which is kind of funny. Gotcha. You know, the video is great, but what you have to realize is most people have a very short attention span these yeah, days. Exactly. You know, Americans have an eight-second attention span. A goldfish has a nine-second attention span. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so That's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but we do it ourselves. Think about it. When we're looking through our phones at night during a commercial break or... You go yeah. out to dinner and you see a group of people, they're not talking to each other. They're too busy on their phones. It's just sad. The communication yeah. skills have dwindled, but you just got to know how to reach people. Everything's going to video. Everything's going to images that really are attracting people. So that's the biggest thing I could recommend. If you're going to do any type of marketing, spend some time. Don't worry about yourself on 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 the video. Either use something else, but video is really where everything's at. It's you look at what YouTube's doing. You look what Facebook's doing. You look what LinkedIn is now doing with video. Yep. This is where everything is at. So get over yourself, guys and gals. They're coming to you for the content, not what you look like. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll, you'll attract them that way and keep them if you're just doing it consistently. Gotcha. 
So one question that I have for you that I think is super important for people to know the answer to, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately too. Uh, I'm in the middle of uh, reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so just like the perfect timing for this interview, right, right in the middle of reading that book. But how would you best recommend people go about getting into the, the real estate market, investing in real estate, however, or whatever avenue they, they choose to use for that. But I know that that investing in real estate is, is such a huge thing to, to becoming wealthy. So how do you recommend people start by getting invested in real estate? Such a great question, Tony. I'm so glad you asked that as well. There's a couple of things I think we need to kind of kill before we go into it. I yeah. think a lot of people come from the misconception, well, I don't have any money. I can't invest in, I can't buy anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there is a ton of private money or other people's money sitting in 401ks or IRAs out there not making anything that people are glad to invest with people as long as they have a good deal. Okay. So forget about not having any capital. That's the first thing. Second thing, good deals, fine capital. Okay. So if you got a deal or you see come across something that makes sense, you'll find capital as long as you market. Now, what I would be doing more than anything else is what the biggest mistake I made early on is I didn't get educated. Okay. And you don't have to spend 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand on a, a, a program or anything like that. And I would highly dissuade you from doing that initially. There's enough free information out there on podcasts or YouTube, or uh, one of the best places for people to plug into is their local real estate investment clubs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every city has one. You can often go on to meetup.com, type in real estate in your city, and it'll show up all these real estate investment clubs. That's the best place to go to because then you'll be surrounded by people that are doing deals on a regular basis or people that show up once a month or twice a month that are actually doing it. And that's a great way for somebody who's wanting to get into it to learn how to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Second thing, uh, or another thing that I would do besides just showing up to that is just talk to people. Do you know anybody in your warm market? Hey, you know anybody who's flipping houses? And then just go pick that person's brain, take them to lunch, buy them coffee. Um, What I have found is most of the most success, some of the most successful people are often the most giving of their time and willing to help those that are starting off. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's one thing I take. Get educated, learn. Rich Dad Poor Dad is great. I am. I've had a chance to meet Robert Kiyosaki a couple of times. Oh wow! Karen Lecter, who co-wrote the book, is a good friend of mine. So uh, I talk to her about once a quarter on some different things. Great, great, amazing lady. Um, but I would just, you know, start planning your day. You, uh, you, one of the big things that most people struggle with is where they want to go. And I know that real estate's a very diverse a- avenue. Go talk to the people that are successful in what you want. If you want to be a realtor, go talk to the best couple of realtors. If you want to be a mortgage broker, go talk to the mortgage brokers. If you want to be a real estate investor, go to your local real estate club and talk to the president and say, hey, who's successful here? Who can I go pick their brain? And oftentimes, that'll be a great way to go. And uh, ask them, hey, if you were me starting off now, what would you do in today's market? And you'll often be surprised that a lot of those that are great at what they do would probably be doing something a little bit different than what they're doing based on what the market's at. Okay, perfect. Thanks for the advice. I definitely appreciate that. And I know a lot of other people listening to this will will definitely get some value out of that. Um, I have one more question for you, but before I ask that, just want to take a second to say how much I appreciate you hopping on this, this interview with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sending me the message on LinkedIn, connecting with me uh, to, to get this going. I know that you have such a big business and, and the fact that you even reached out to me to do this is, is pretty much an honor. So uh, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time to, to have you on the podcast. So thank you hey, so much. No, Hey, Tony, no problem. And let's talk about that. Cause I think it's a great way for people 
we do a lot of marketing on a regular basis here. So what Tony's talking about is I simply went on a LinkedIn and I wanted to be, get booked on more podcasts on the real estate or entrepreneurial podcast. So I reached out to Tony. I took the time to create a short little two minute video talking about what I do in business. Did you end up watching that video, Tony? Hopefully. Yeah. The, the video that you sent me. Yeah. I watched it a couple of times. Yeah. And that's a really, it was simple. It didn't cost me money. So just my time I did on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. For those of you that are out there, the entrepreneurs that are looking to do something, that's a great way for you to reach out to people on LinkedIn, people in, the, in your in your field or want to be in your field. Reach out with a short little message. Taking that little bit extra step to add a video or add a, a personalized message will get you booked. And I, I I thank you, appreciate those those words. But I'm honored to be here, Tony. Anytime that I can help get my word out, what we're doing, and, and help fellow entrepreneurs out there, because I was young once, man. I'm I'm 41 now, and if I can look back at the 20 yeah. year old Scott Carson or the you know the, the the 25 year old that graduated with a business degree um, and give some advice, man, I wish I would have listened back then, but yeah, I, I'll make one, I'll make it something. I'll, uh, I'll offer up some of your listeners too. We, I've got a, a book, a 52 page book we wrote on the note business. If they want to email me at Scott at we close note to their listeners, I'm glad to send them a copy of that for free. Uh, it's, it's usually like 20 bucks on Amazon, but we've got an ebook version. I'm glad to send it out to anybody that wants a copy of that for free. It talks about the note industry and a little bit more on what, what I do, but I'm not here to pitch anything, but if you'd like a copy of that book, I'm glad to give it away free. All right. Perfect. Awesome. You guys heard it right there. Scott, you kind of answered my last question there, but what I was going to ask is, do you have any more advice for entrepreneurs out there who are just getting started on how to get started, whether it be in real estate or whatever it is they're doing? Just go talk to people. You know, go talk to those that are successful. Um, and, and here's a very big thing. As you get older, um, seek counsel, not advice. And what I mean by that, a lot of times when we're thinking about doing something, we talk to our warm market. We talk to the people around us, the people that we know us the best. Mm-hmm. And they're not, be, they're not the best. at. They have no clue about If I went to the people I knew initially said, I'm starting a mortgage debt buying company. My, my, my mom still for years was like, when are you going to get a real job? Okay. <laughs> Don't seek advice from people that have never been in the shoes that you want to be in. Go talk to the people that are experts, the people that you look up to that are in that field and talk to them and get their counsel. Okay. That's the biggest. Don't seek advice from people that don't know anything because they'll tell you, oh, you can't do that. I know Tony is this guy. You're this guy. You could never do that. The reason they tell you you can never do it is because they can't ever do that. Mm-hmm. They like to project their limitations on what your mind is. So as an entrepreneur, it's not the easiest thing to overcome obstacles sometimes because we often bombarded with negativity out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine, Greg Reed, who's the author of think and grow rich three feet from gold. Since you like the think and grow rich series, mm-hmm. he co-wrote that with Sharon Lecter as well. It's a friend of mine. And Greg told me a while back, do you keep the idea of having a 33% rule? And what I mean by that is that you think about all the people that you know out there, 33% are going to love you because they just absolutely love you who you are. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can do no wrong in their eyes because you're just great. Great guy, great gal out there. Now, 33% of your tribe are going to hate you no matter what. The people, your network and stuff like that, they're just going to dislike you because they have a black soul of the heart. Okay? Yep. They're not going to like you because of, it doesn't matter what you look like, your sex, your race, whatever you wear, breath, whatever color. Eye, they're just going to hate you because they just hate you. So what you have to focus on as an entrepreneur is not the 33% of people that dislike you. You have to focus on the people that love you and then that middle 33% that don't know you, that are on the fence. Yeah. And the sooner you can come to that conclusion that you're just going to focus on that 66%, you'll be a lot happier. 
Uh, I know as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we, if we do marketing and things like that or emails, there'll be one person that responds, especially like on YouTube or things, somebody responds derogatory. And so we get all upset about that one person who's just ugly versus the other hundreds or thousands of people that are, are great for us. Focus on that. Forget the, the ugly people. Just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and seeking counsel. You'll be a lot happier out there. But just, just stick to it. Be con- just keep doing what you're doing. Keep being your own unique self. Don't try to copy somebody. Be yourself. It doesn't mean you can't take things that you learn from other people that are doing and apply it to your business. But just be yourself. Don't. There's only one Tony out there. You know, If I try to be like Gary Vaynerchuk, I would fail completely <laughs> yeah. with, my, with my podcast. So I stopped. I, I didn't want to be like Gary V. I want to be like Scott Carson. And I know I went from there. Exactly. All right, Scott, thank you so much. Besides finding you at weclosenotes.com and your email, Scott, at weclosenotes.com, where else can we connect with you? Um, you can just find me. Usually you do the, the hashtag or the handle at one Scott Carson. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and social media and all across the board. Just look to Scott Carson, the note guy, or we close notes and you come across me. So honored to connect with anybody and anybody out there that wants advice or not advice, but once you get some real counsel on things, feel free to reach out to me. I'm glad to spend some time. There we go. All right. You guys heard it first. Scott, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Guys, we'll see you on the next episode. There you have it. You heard straight from Scott. Connect with Scott on LinkedIn. And if you're interested, shoot him an email to get his free ebook that he mentioned. Go get educated on real estate. Find those organizations to join, get involved in real estate investing as soon as you can, and talk to experts in the area you're interested in. Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great book to read that talks about the benefits of real estate investing as well as general advice on how you can accumulate wealth, so be sure to check it out. In fact, you can get the book for free by using my link for Audible. If you're serious about improving your life, go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash emerge and pick up a free book on me. Whether it's Rich Dad Poor Dad or something else, just get a good book and expand your learning. You won't regret it. Please, if you've enjoyed the podcast this far, leave a rating and review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Emerging Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in to this episode of Emerging Entrepreneurs. Now, it's your time to emerge. Oh,